Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to It's a Crime. I'm Linda, and today we're going to be talking about Alex Cox and the apartment he rented, Apartment 107. There's some peculiar facts surrounding Alex and his apartment, and I'm going to do a little deep dive on it. But before I get started, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button and hit that notification bell. We are now 84,000 subscribers strong. So thank you so much. Please click the like button if you support it and please share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. Alex moved at the same time as Lori to Rexburg, Idaho from Arizona on September 1st, 2019. They moved to 565 Pioneer Road. Lori rented unit number 175, while Alex rented apartment 107, just a short two-minute walk away. In November, Melanie Boudreau, aka Melanie Pulowski, rented unit number 174, just next door to Lori. And Alex's unit, according to Zillow, is a three-bedroom, three-bath townhome and approximately 1,900 square feet. I have seen a couple of discrepancies where it's saying 1,400 square feet and 1,900 square feet, but stay tuned for that. It has an attached garage and was built in 2018, so pretty new. It allowed pets and even large dogs. At the time, the unit was listed for $1,200 per month. When I look further at Alex's apartment and take a look at its history, we can see that his apartment was listed for rent on August 5th, 2019 for $1,200 and the listing was removed on August 28th, 2019. Lori's apartment, Unit 175, is a three bedroom, two and a half bathroom townhome. It was listed at 1,400 square feet, which is 500 square feet smaller than Alex's, potentially or it's the same, and doesn't allow pets. Now, it was built in 2010, which is eight years before Alex's apartment. It also has an attached garage, and at the time, it was listed at $1,225 per month. Now, when we look at the history of Lori's apartment, it was listed for rent by a different property management company on August 5th, 2019, and the listing was removed on the 27th just a day before Alex's. Lori actually strikes me as a woman who likes a lot of the finer things in life. So when I started diving in here, it's a little odd that for the same price, Alex has a 500 square foot bigger home and it's only about a year old and would and could accept pets. Whereas Lori's was eight years older, 500 square feet, 
smaller potentially if there was a mistake it could be the same square footage but his is still newer and Lori's didn't accept pets and remember JJ had a service dog before she gave him away in August the two places were taken off the market within one day of each other you'd think since she orders Alex around to do everything that it seems in my opinion that she would take a nicer unit I just find it a little bit odd then I wondered you know what what if we just forget the stats and take a little deeper look. And holy moly, there's a difference. I'm gonna show you Alex's unit first. Apartment 107, built in 2018, 500 square feet bigger, and three full baths. Here's his kitchen, beautiful countertops, nice cabinetry, updated. Looks pretty good, right? There's the view from the kitchen to the living room. Looks like there's some nice tile flooring, lots of bright light, looks looks really nice. Here's the bathroom with two sinks and you can see in the mirror also a really nice shower which is right here. Looks pretty nice as well. Now here's Lori's. There's the kitchen. Looks like very very basic and it is eight years older. So you're seeing you know older cabinetry. Um, it does look like there's hardwood. I'm not sure if it's laminate or not. And there's the view from the kitchen to the living room. There's her bathroom, which does have the two sinks, but his seems to be granite while hers just looks like it is not. So please tell me in the comments below, which one would you choose for the same price? I'm just curious because I certainly would choose the one Alex has. And I'm not sure why Lori chose this one. Not saying that it's not nice, but the other one is a lot it looks like a lot more upgrades to it. I find it a little odd, especially because Lori likes to go to Hawaii. She likes to spend money. She likes to do her hair and have her, all, her hair all nice and you know all these things. I just find it a little weird. Out of character, you might say. And Melanie Pulowski rented the unit right next door to Lori in number 174. That listing was removed on October 25th. Alex helped Melanie load her stuff on October 31st and then a few days later they were back in Rexburg. Now in Chad's recent arrest affidavit it says Lori Vallow moved to Rexburg on or about September 1st 2019 with her children Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow and her brother Alex Cox. Lori resided with her children at 565 Pioneer Road Unit 175 Rexburg, Idaho. Alex Cox resided in the same complex initially living in the same unit as Lori and then moving into his own unit at 565 Pioneer Road, Unit 107, Rexburg, Idaho. I find this super interesting that it actually says Alex initially lived in the same unit as Lori and then moved into his own unit. How long did he actually live at Lori's? Because if they moved on and around the 1st of September, and Tylee went missing on the 8th, the night of the 8th, and it was reported in the affidavit that he went back to his apartment, 107, then how long could he have actually lived at Lori's? A few days? Then I heard something very peculiar in an interview with Melanie Boudreaux, aka Melanie Pulowski. And she did the interview with Nate Eaton from East Idaho News and was talking about officers questioning her. 
And Nate says, when did you guys find out there was an investigation and JJ and Tylee were missing? She says, I'm foggy on this date, but Detective Hermesio and another gentleman had come to my door while I was moving my stuff in. So it had to have been early in November. I'd guess the second week in November. Side note, I can see her being a little foggy as to the exact day, but not sure how she could be so foggy as to what week it was. She's guessing it's the second week of November, but she knows darn well she went and picked up all her stuff on October 31st and within days was in Rexburg. So find that interesting. But she doesn't exactly tell the truth. And one really doesn't forget that they signed a lease on November 1st or for November 1st, right? Let me know what you think. Comments below. She goes on to say, I get a knock at the door and I open it and see police and I'm jumpy because what is my ex up to? Meaning Brandon Boudreaux, he's the one who got shot at. And now she's jumpy. She says, what's the next thing? Are my kids okay? The detective says, do you know who lives next door? And she says, yes, I think Alex's name was on the lease. So sometimes my uncle's over there, sometimes my aunt goes over there. And I didn't know what that was about. That was it. That was my first encounter with Rexburg police, I guess. She thinks Alex was on the lease. Sometimes Alex was there, she says, and sometimes Lori's over there. How do you not know whose apartment that is? So it makes me wonder, did Melanie even know about apartment 107? Just when you think it can't get any more bizarre, it does. Now in Chad's arrest affidavit, it notes numerous times that Alex goes back to his own apartment, apartment 107. And on October 8th, the day Tylee went missing, Alex, Lori, Tylee, and JJ went to Yellowstone Park, as we know. They come back to Rexburg and are at Lori's apartment by 8.37 p.m. Alex stays until 11.15 p.m. And at 11.44 p.m., the affidavit st states that Alex is back in his apartment. He leaves his apartment and at 2.42 a.m. in the middle of the night, He's back at Lori's house. At 4.37, he's back at his apartment until 8.59 later that morning. Alex leaves and then drives to Chad's house. He heads to Del Taco right before lunchtime. And then it's noted in the affidavit that he spends most of the rest of the day in his apartment. Doing what? Cleaning up? Sleeping from being up all night and killing your niece? Or being part of the killing of your niece? What were you doing? Now, if you'd like to see an in-depth video of the day that Tylee went missing, you can check it out right here and I will put it in the description below. So from September 19th to the 23rd, Melanie Gibb and her boyfriend David Warwick were in town for the weekend and stayed at Lori's house. On the evening of Sunday, September the 22nd, Lori, David, and Melanie were going to do a podcast together. David said that JJ was acting up, and so Alex Cox took JJ back to his apartment, 107. 
There's no mention of what time in the affidavit that this was. And side note, I do wonder what this podcast was actually about. If you do know that answer, please let me know in the comments below. So Alex returns later that night at Lori's house and he was carrying JJ who appeared to be asleep with his head on Alex's shoulder. David thought it was a tender moment and he recalled that to the officers. Now, I just want to make this comment that Lori mentioned to the babysitter a few days before that on the 19th that how Lori gives JJ medicine before he goes to bed. And I wondered in my JJ video if the babysitter had administered medication. And now I'm wondering, did Alex give him something that night before JJ went to sleep? So no mention again of the timing of these events or of Alex's phone and his pings. When David was leaving the next morning, which is Monday, September 23rd, he asked where JJ was, and this was between 8 and 9 a.m., according to David. In the affidavit, it says, Warwick further informed us that when he woke up in the morning of September 23rd, 2019, he asked Lori where JJ was. This was between 8 and 9 a.m. Lori informed Warwick and Gibb that JJ had been acting like a zombie and had been crawling on the kitchen cabinetry and had gotten on top of the cabinetry in the space between the cabinetry and the ceiling. She informed Warwick and Gibb that when JJ had climbed upon the cabinetry that he had knocked a picture of Jesus off the refrigerator. Vallow then informed Warwick and Gibb that Alex had come and taken JJ. Now on the most recent Dateline episode, which just aired a couple days ago on Monday, David said that when Lori told that story of JJ crawling all over the cabinets in the fridge, David said he saw no indication of anything that would have happened with the cabinetry or the like. And he felt, and he said he felt like Lori was lying to him pretty much. Now I will make this comment because it's starting to dive deeper, right? JJ went missing the night that David and Melanie were there. David asks where JJ is and feels Lori is lying. And I'm sure he thought weird, like, what are you talking about? First you're talking about zombies, now JJ's not here and he's crawling on the refrigerator and cabinets and knocking Jesus down. And I'm sure he and Melanie thought, this is super weird. They kind of shrug it off, but then a month goes by, two months go by, and the cops call Melanie because of the welfare check and Lori says JJ is with her to the authorities. And Lori and Chad ask Melanie to lie for them and say that JJ was with her. She said no. But phew, right? Good thing that the authorities weren't checking on Tylee as well. I do wonder if the police had asked about Tylee as well or even knew at this point because right at this point, JJ was called in for a welfare check. And I can't remember, so stay tuned for that. Now, almost an hour later at 9.55 a.m., Alex is back on Chad Daybell's property and was there for a total of 17 minutes. And I do wonder, did Alex actually say goodbye to Melanie and David before he went to Chad's? Now, if you'd like to see an in-depth video about JJ and when he went missing, I will put that right here or also in the description below. So now let's talk about November. The night of the welfare check on November 26, 2019, there was a lot 
of referencing of apartment 107. And I did mention this in previous videos that it almost seems like a movie, like, oh, go to 107, everybody go to 107. It's just very, I don't know, secretive kind of codish. I don't know the word, but they kept referencing apartment 107. It's just odd. So Chad and Alex were both there that night on scene. In the affidavit, it says, on November 26, 2019, Detective Hermosillo and Detective Hope from the RPD went to Lori's home located at 565 Pioneer Road, number 175, Rexburg, Idaho, to conduct a welfare check. Detectives Hermosillo and Hope met with Lori's brother, Alex Cox, and Chad Daybell outside the residence. And here's what it says about Chad. Chad acted as if he didn't know Lori very well and stated he didn't know her phone number. Shortly after calling me, Detective Hermosillo called me again and indicated that he saw Chad Daybell driving a black Chevrolet Equinox away from the residence. Detective Hermosillo stopped Chad and asked him again if he had seen JV. Chad responded that the last time he had seen JV was in apartment 107 in October. He also admitted he knew Lori Vallow's phone number and provided it to Detective Hermosillo. Now, on Chad responding about JJ and seeing him in apartment 107 in October, which is impossible as we know, I guess that would put him in his eyes not guilty, right? If he says October. That way in his mind, he wouldn't be linked to JJ because in my opinion, even though JJ was found at Chad Daybell's property. And also, I do want to mention that we know Chad likes to flee. And he's such a coward because he pretends not to really know Lori or her phone number, even though he's married to her at this point. And fair enough about the phones. I mean, so many burner phones, so little time to memorize the numbers. And in true Chad's style, he's seen leaving the premises. Like, surprise, surprise. If your stepson is missing, would you drive away from the premises with authorities on scene? Like, Chad, murder 101, buddy. And now back to the affidavit, Alex said to the detectives that JV was with his grandma, Kay Woodcock, in Louisiana, which was not likely to be true due to the fact Kay was the individual who first called in a missing child report to the Gilbert Police Department. Alex said Lori may be in apartment 107. Hermosillo and Hope went to apartment 107, but the apartment was completely empty and vacant. Okay, whoa, wait a minute. Why would Alex's apartment be empty and vacant if he lived there, right? This is the welfare check day, and they wouldn't know about this happening, you wouldn't think. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And they all fled the next day. So was Alex done his mission already and was ready to move? I'll talk about that in a minute. 
So back to the affidavit, it says, on the same day, myself and Detective Stubbs of the RPD located and spoke with Lori in her apartment 175. We identified ourselves as RPD officers. Guess she wasn't in 107, hey guys? Good diversion though. I'll continue. Lori told us that JV was in Gilbert, Arizona with a friend named Melody Gibb. We obtained Melanie's phone number from Lori. We ended our contact with Lori and immediately attempted to call Melanie Gibb. We were unable to contact her. Because Detective Stubbs and I were unable to contact Melanie Gibb, we immediately contacted Lori Vallow again and we requested that she call Melanie Gibb. At this time, Lori told us that Melanie and JV were at the movie Frozen 2, so it was unlikely Melanie would answer the phone. We instructed Lori to call Melanie Gibb and have her call us so we could verify the location of JV. And just a reminder at this point, JJ's been dead for two months. And Lori had asked Melanie Gibb to not only say that she was at Frozen 2, but to go take some pictures of kids running around that look like JJ. Now, by the next day on November 27th, they were gone. The affidavit says, on November 27th, 2019, RPD obtained search warrants to search number one, Lori Vallow's apartment located at 565 Pioneer Road, 175 Rexburg, Idaho. Number two, Melanie Boudreaux-Palowski's, Lori Vallow's niece, apartment located at 565 Pioneer Road, number 174 Rexburg, Idaho. And number three, Alex Cox, Lori's brother, apartment located at 565 Pioneer Road, 107 Rexburg, Idaho. This apartment had nothing in it other than a couple of small items in its garage. I do wonder with the search warrant that was obtained of Melanie Boudreaux, I mean, I wonder what that looked like. It says all three apartments are part of the same complex. JV was not located at any of the residences. It appeared to me that most of the clothing in Lori's apartment had been removed. Other furniture was still inside the residence. RPD believed that she left Rexburg with Chad Daybell the night of November 26, 2019. Melanie Boudreaux later confirmed that Chad and Lori did leave Rexburg the night of the 26th. So Chad and Lori take off the night of the 26th. When did Alex take off? And we see that Melanie talked to authorities the next day on the 27th. And Alex got married just a few days later to Zulema Pastenas. And good old Alex took Zulema's last name. Now, Melanie got married the same weekend to Ian after 10 days of dating. Why the rush, Melanie? Now, Lori's apartment went back on the market on December 30th, 2019. Then the listing was removed two months later on February 27th, according to Zillow. Alex's apartment went back on the market on December 2nd. Did Alex give his 30-day notice in and that's why his apartment is empty? And if he did give his notice, then that would be around the time that he moved Melanie from Arizona to Rexburg. So I do wonder if his mission was complete at that time and he was planning on going back. And right after he got married to Zulema, he went back to Arizona and lives and lived with her. He died on December 12, 2019, just two weeks after they got married. And Alex's mom didn't even know that Alex moved back to Arizona, nor that he got married. Then, just when you think things can't get any shadier, that's right, they do. I did some more digging, and here's what I found. Alex never let his Arizona landlord 
know that he was moving from the looks of it. Maybe it wasn't a planned move for Alex to go to Rexburg or something because his landlord in Arizona went after him and there was a complaint created according to court records on September 26, 2019. And according to the property history, it looks like Alex rented this place around December of 2018. He gets an eviction action judgment and by October 22nd, 2019, his place is back up for rent. Now, why wouldn't Alex have told his landlord that he was moving to Rexburg or moving out of state? So in September, he moves to Rexburg. Tylee is killed, then JJ in September. In October, the attempt was made on Brandon back in Arizona, the attempt on Tammy's life in her driveway, and then Tammy actually dying on October 19th. In November, he helps Melanie with moving and also helps her by going to Utah to look for her children. I believe that was about the middle of November. So I'm curious, when he moved down, what did he come with? And when he went back to Arizona, what he left with? And Alex seemed to want to be incognito after all of this, didn't he? The change of his name to Zulema's last name. Then he wouldn't have his name on a lease if he was moving into Zulema's place. Her son didn't even know Alex's last name, nor did he even know they were married. And according to sources, it was very businesslike when they did get married. And there's some chatter going around that... Alex didn't even like women, if you know what I mean. And Alex's mom didn't even know that Alex moved back to Arizona, nor that he got married, and she mentioned that in an interview. So why not inform your landlord you're moving out? And September and October were pretty big months for people dying. So why would he stay then in Rexburg if everything was complete and without furniture? or anything. It makes me ask, who was next in November? And was that the actual apartment he lived in? Or was that apartment meant for more sinister things? And was Chad referring to seeing JJ in apartment 107 the way he was referring to Tylee and the raccoon in his property? Saying something, but not saying something, if you know what I mean. And where was Chad that night JJ went missing? Was he at Alex's apartment? Because he seems to get a kick out of telling some truths without telling the truth, you know? Let's have a chit chat about this below. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon.